morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stats, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Mario, also known as the Nonders, joining us. And we got we got self joining us on this Thursday, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Ripple CTO David Schwartz was furious after the him and email release, stating the case for XRP being sufficiently decentralized, regardless of the SEC's opinion. BlackRock has filed to launch a Bitcoin ETF, which could be hitting the open market this year. As Cardano founder Charles Hodgkinson states, he believes Ripple will win, although it may take a Supreme Court ruling. And with the digital transformation of our lifetime already upon us, we break down the details, showing our community how this is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, we had a great day yesterday with Blockchain Backer, but today, today is very exciting because with the Hinden test being released, we got some breaking news for XRP being decentralized. But before we get into it, my friend, how are you feeling this morning? The Hinman test. <laughs> you gotta love it. Good morning, Warrior Maniacs. Appreciate love and appreciate you guys for showing up every single day. Mario, great to see you as well. Abs, I'm excited. It was a great day yesterday. We have a great lineup of guests. And next week, we kick our game up again with a double panel for the first time ever. So it's getting super excited here on GMC Abs. I can't wait to hop into it. Absolutely, guys. And we got the Node Defender joining us as well. Mario, I see you got the Gala shirt on. So shout out to Gala. How you feeling this morning? I do got the Gala shirt on. I was going to put my Merlin, but I wore it yesterday. I'm like, ah, oh, it's going to become a little, I always I got yeah, the Make sure you wash it. You make sure you yeah. run it, you know, wash it, dry it. Don't, don't wear that. I, I got I gotta to talk to the Merlin CEO about getting me a second t-shirt, but you, you know, know what? You have to do that. <laughs> we'll leave that for another day, but good morning, everybody. Super excited to be here. Super excited to be with, with Abs and Johnny. I just want to say I'm super grateful for being uh, another day in the matrix, like Abs always says. And uh, hello to everybody in the chat. Let's let's do this. Absolutely, Mario. And don't worry, I'll put in a good word for you with the CEO of Merlin. But guys, we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by showing you my Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're at 44, or sorry, 4,500 followers. Smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in 46 this morning, sitting in fear. But when we check out the daily movers across the board, it is red. We've only got KAS up in a green bubble, up about 11%. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, it's been red in the markets for quite a while. And we're sitting at $1.02 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 47% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin having a massive red day today, down about 4% but barely holding 25,000. We got Ethereum 1600, XRP back below 50 cents at 47, and Cardano sitting at 26 this morning. And Johnny Crypto, I'm going to start the show off with an interesting video I found last night. The Bearable Bull put out an interview he had with uh, Cardano founder Charles Hotskinson, and he had some pretty profound statements when it came to the Ripple versus SEC case. So we're going to play this short clip and go to you and Mario. Here we go. I, I want XRP to win. I think it's good for all of us. I think they will. I think it has a potential going all the way up to the Supreme Court. Uh, and, you know, we'll just see what happens. Uh, as a, and uh, we'll, just, we'll just try to move in that direction. Um, and, uh, you know, just hang in there. And I'm sorry you guys have gone through hell. Well, thank you, Charles. We do appreciate your condolences. Johnny, I do want to get your thoughts here. Charles Hodgkinson has changed his stance many times. But what stuck out to me in that statement 
is he said it may take a Supreme Court ruling. So let's discuss it right now. What does that clip mean? To yeah, you? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, who the hell knows what? I mean, ultimately, uh, uh, a, in, a, in a ruling at the Supreme Court in favor of Ripple would certainly give this space some huge victory that it really needs some clarity that we absolutely have seen that we cannot get out of the SEC. We haven't gotten it so far out of Congress, but abs a ruling out of the SEC. I mean, a ruling out of Congress. I mean, the <laughs> Supreme court that's years away. That's years away. So I'm not so sure we want to wait for that. By the way, kudos to, to Charles, you know, that's the right attitude to have. At the end of the day, Charles has always been for crypto. And I know people have been bashing him. Even when he was bashing XRP, I never got mad at him. It's because I know a guy like that, you need guys like that that, that care about the space. He went in front of Congress and testified. How many other developers did you see do that? You want a guy like that out there trying to rally the community together. Kudos for him for, for, for being and wanting to see XRP win. He knows it's good for the industry. Mario, you know, I think a little bit differently, but Johnny brought up pr uh, prominent developers in the space. Last night, David Schwartz put out a series of tweets explaining how XRP is already decentralized. And we're going to be getting to that later in the show, but we have 236 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button and check out this tweet from Charles Hoskinson. This was tweeted at me back in December. He said, XRP provides no partnership or technical value. The community is toxic and petty. I can live without it. Well, he's changed his statements completely from December, Mario. And I love this comment we got from the live chat here. It said, now that the SEC is attacking Cardano, Charles Hoskinson wants Ripple to win. So this is the last time he has to deal with the SEC. I kind of agree with that. But what means what what sticks out to you, Mario? Yeah, not only is he's changed his stance, but he's changed his tone. I mean, did you listen to the tone of his voice in that uh, interview with the Bearable Bull that you just played? I mean, his tone is completely different. But, you know, I don't. I think Charles is, you know, a great mind. We know that he's um, he, he's uh, doing amazing things with Cardano. He's trying to do amazing things with Cardano. He's definitely a brilliant mind. Um, he made a mistake. He definitely made a mistake by attacking the XRP community in the way that he did. Um, I don't think that, like, like the like blockchain backer said yesterday. You know, that's as close to an apology as we're going to get from him. So, but it, it's at the same time, I can see why. I can see why he's doing what he's doing and why he's 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 changing his opinion. I mean, obviously Cardano is now under fire from the SEC. So at the same time, it's like, hey man, look, you should have realized this a long time ago. You should have seen that the fact that they came after Ripple, that was an attack on crypto. We've been saying this for a long time. That, that was already the start of the attack on crypto. And we thought Gary Gensler coming into the SEC was going to make things a little easier. I remember people started saying, oh, he's going to drop the case. He's not going to... You know, he's not going to continue this case against against Ripple. Well, not only did it con did, did he continue it, but he, he's gone after exchanges now, which, you know, he couldn't go after all these different blockchains. He decided to go after the exchanges themselves. So now they're starting to wake up. You know, I don't condemn just just um, Charles Hoskinson. I think Coinbase is, was in the wrong. I think a lot of other blockchains or, or companies were in the wrong for not siding with Ripple and not realizing that this was the beginning of the attack on crypto. And Johnny, not only is that important, but when you listen to Charles Hoskinson talk here, he said the first thing, XRP is going to win this case. He believes that Ripple is going to win the initial ruling. And with the him and emails coming out this week, that seems more clear than ever. But what I do want to point out about the Cardano price chart is we are actually sitting at a key level of support here. 
24 cents is one of the most solid levels of support for the ADA price chart. And we are sitting at 25 cents right now. So typically we talk about these red days as buying opportunities. How do you feel about Cardano overall, Johnny Crypto? Not financial advice, of course. First of all, there is zero value in the XRP community and the Cardano community fighting with each other. Zero value. So anybody in this chat that's sitting there, I say, well, why are you talking about Cardano still? Well, the reality is, look, guys, there's no reason not to talk about any of this stuff. They, we need to all come together. So if you have hate for Cardano, for what he said, or Charles, stop. Put it aside. Trust me. Your hate is focused in the wrong direction. The true enemy here, if you haven't figured it out, it starts with three letters. It's a three-letter agency that's crushing this market. That's where you should focus your energy. Bring Carl's in, Charles in. Give him a hug and let's move on forward because the crypto community has to come together. I don't care about that statement he said to you a year ago. He said it when he was emotionally was hot. It doesn't matter. Looking at the chart, though, let's bring the chart back up now. On the chart side of it, from, from a perspective, listen, I'm DCAing in right now. I ain't going to lie. That is a great point to start your DCA. Not financial advisor. I'm not a financial advisor, so you do not do what I do. You need to decide for yourself. But to me, there's certain key levels where you want to be buying in. And if you look at the all-time high, what was it, Abs? Around three bucks? Yeah, $3.10 or so. Three dollars, right? So we've pretty much pulled a 90% retracement now on Cardano, which is typically a pretty good place to start DCAing back in. And for me, I love this price point. I am certainly going to – I am picking some up here in this spot. And, however, I believe, me personally, that we're still going down. I think we're going to bottom at the end of June. So while I'm starting some DCA here, I'm not putting all my bags in here. We might even go lower. And I'm not saying lower in Cardano. I mean, the whole market may go down lower. So there might be opportunities to get them really even lower than we see today. But definitely for me, since you asked, I like this area of, of entry. Very good spot. You want to be buying on those prior support levels. They tend to hold up. But if we pull drop through, it's okay. You might just load up some more. So just got to be ready for that. Absolutely, Johnny. And sorry, I'm just listening to a video in the background because we're about to show our listeners the latest update on the Hinman emails. But guys, this morning we had an even bigger headline as the US dollar tether depegged from the market. And Mario, this is something that we've been talking about for quite a while. USDT seems to be the black swan just circling the waters right now. I'd just like to get some quick statements. How do you feel about the depeg this morning? Obviously, we're making a quick recovery. Yeah, I mean, we've seen USDT do do that multiple times before, and and it's it's been able to it's been able to get back to the dollar value. So yeah, look, USDT has got this black, really dark cloud over it. It's been called the um, it's been called as this catalyst that could ex eventually happen in the crypto space, and you know, and send us to to the bottom. And at the uh, in during last year. You know, we saw many things happen, but not the USDT collapse. So we're yet to still see that happen. You know, we spoke about it multiple times, and I believe Johnny was the one that started bringing it up, where it looked the most obvious thing that would happen in the space as far as like negative, right? It was USDT collapsing, and then it didn't happen. And then other things were happening uh, on, on the other end. So we'll see. But, you know, things... I know that there's a lot of stuff that points to Tether's business not being 100% legit. You know, the 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 facts are out there, but we'll see what happens with 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 Tether. Hopefully, we don't get that uh, you know, we don't get that happening in the market because if it does happen, it's going to be terrible for the crypto space. I mean, we know the influence that Tether has in the market. I think I saw a tweet um 
that they I think they printed like another 10 billion dollars worth of of tether i could be wrong it was either 10 million or 10, 10 billion i know there's a big difference but yeah. i know that there was like a massive printing uh of tether overnight so we'll see what happens but if if that does happen as far as tether it's going to be really really bad because of the influence that it has in the market the the uh the liquidity that it that it has involved with with bitcoin and mario we all remember the ftx black swan event that we went through last fall but when you look at the size of that bubble compared to tether that was about $10 billion. Tether is over $70 billion of liquidity waiting to collapse. But we're going to get into our biggest story of today, guys. We got 336 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest tweet from David Schwartz making the case for XRP decentralization. He said, nobody who claims XRP or the XLPL is not sufficiently decentralized because of Ripple's control has never described for any specific reason the threat that users want decentralization to protect against, precisely how Ripple could use the supposed control against them with harm. It cannot be done. So he's making the point here, Johnny, although XRP still has a decentralization, you know, they still have to distribute the tokens even more. Ripple can't directly hurt the community with their ownership of these tokens, which is very, very interesting. We're going to get into it even more, but I want to hear what's it mean to you. Well, I mean, I'm a little, conf I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused. I'd like to know. I wish he was on the show so we could ask him how's that possible. I mean, yeah, from what I've heard, they still own 50 billion coins. So theoretically, the argument I've heard on the other side is that they could drop those coins at a moment's notice, and maybe it's regulated one billion per month is what I thought that the the distribution was. I know they've been also buying coins back, but the question is, if they own 50 billion. And he says it cannot be done. Well, what does that mean? W what cannot be done? They can't They can't dump them tomorrow if they wanted to? That's, to me, the question I'd like to understand. I wish he would embellish a little bit more on what exactly it is that can't be done. Because theoretically, if they're sitting on those coins, why can't they sell them? What is in place that prevents that? That's what he needed to explain uh, in, for, you know, in, more, in more detail so to help people understand why he, he considers it sufficiently decentralized. And frankly, Abs, to be honest with you, this whole sufficiently decentralized to me is mind-boggling. How do you have a definition like that and not define if it's, you know, you can hold 10% of the overall flow or 20%? What does sufficiently decentralized even mean? Does it mean, you know, you can only hold 25%? Let's put some number around it so it's not an argument. Think about right now. Until we have a number, it doesn't mean anything. I could say, oh, they, they own 80%. That's sufficiently decentralized. Who the frick knows what that means? I don't know. We need some clarity around that. So to me, that that that's... And by the way, the Hinman test, doesn't that sound like a drug test? What is a Hinman test? Sounds more like a drug test than a crypto test, if you ask me. Listen, we got some clear answers coming in right here from John Deaton and Jeremy All Haven. Right. So this is exciting, Johnny. He's going to answer a lot of the questions you just asked. What does it mean to be sufficiently decentralized? And why does a man like William Hinman get to decide... We're going to learn it right now, but we got 345 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and check out this latest update from William Hinman. Um, there's no big uh, bombshells that we're seeing in these emails. There's nothing that jumps out at you saying, ha-ha, Ripple's going to win, or ha-ha, the SEC's going to lose. There's there's nothing in these emails that that screams that out. There's no, the, you know, we were kind of thinking maybe there would be someone in the email that would have said, hey, what about XRP? It's just like Ether. Why, is, why aren't we including that in our analysis? So we don't get anything like that in the emails. I think when I first read the emails, the first thing that jumped out to me was that I got this feeling um, that is really bad for Hinman of all the people involved. Um, 
it's obvious that um, he was pushing the ether free pass, which had just been some conjecture on Twitter up to this point. And then we really see in these emails that right from the get-go, he even named like the title of his first email was you know the ether uh, speech. And right from the get-go, he's saying ether is not a security. And that was the point of him making the speech. And you got to think, well, why did he have to use ether as an example? Why couldn't he just say once once an asset reaches a fifteen million dollars reasons? Fifteen million reasons why he used ether. We I, all know why he did it, Jeremy. We all know why now for sure. By the way, guys, yes, I am well aware that XRP Ripple has an escrow balance, and I know it's set at a schedule and it can be released at a certain time. However, you have to remember they're also buying back coins. That buyback you know, bumps that holding up abs and on that buyback, those aren't escrow. I think those they're, they're free coins. They could do what they want with them. So again, that's why this whole definition of what is sufficiently, you know, sufficiently decentralized mean, how much can they hold? What, you know, what are you allowed to dump and not dump to me? Those are the kinds of questions that I think need more clarity around it now, abs. but we all know why he set the whole speech out on, you know, the ETH coin is not a security. We all know the real real reason why that happened. And I'm going to play the last 20 seconds here and go right back to you guys. Certain level of decentralization, then it's no longer security. Why did he have to use Ether? And I think what I came away from reading the emails was, wow, there really was something going on here. And uh, I'm really focused on the case. But I think if I was you know, William Hinman, I'd be more concerned about these emails than maybe if I was the SEC. That's just one of the reasons this is a game changer, not for just the crypto industry, Johnny. We are going to see William Hinman. If he makes the case that Ethereum was decentralized in 2018, there's almost no doubt in my mind that many of the top 10, top 20 projects are also decentralized here in 2023. And John Deaton and Jeremy Hogan have been highlighting this for quite a while. But what I do want to point out is the breaking news from this morning as well. We're talking about decentralization why would central banks like the Colombian Central Bank partner with Ripple to start using XRP's blockchain? We've talked about this for quite a while. Ripple is using XRP, right? They're not selling XRP to raise capital. And I have a tweet breaking that down later in the episode. But Johnny, this is a primary example. Colombian Central Bank using XRP for liquidity. How do you feel about that tied into Jeremy Hogan's clip? Yeah, you know, I, I think... Um... Well, first of all, I know Mario has to run. So real quick, I just want to see if he's got a comment before he's got to go on this one. Any thoughts from you, Mario? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we keep seeing uh, Ripple being positioning themselves and, and extending their arms in all these different directions. And the fact that they continue to partner with all these different central banks, I think it's very telling. Now, the, the big question is, will they actually utilize XRPL or the XRP blockchain for you know all these different use cases and i think that's the key question and it all comes down to that i know we've heard ripple many times before say that they are developing around xrpl and everything that they do they plan to always include the xrpl but we know that at some point and with all these different things that they keep building we know that at some point there there might be some kind of private uh version of a blockchain which may not not have anything to do with the xrp um so we'll see what happens as far as that. I know that everybody gets excited when we see these CBDC news and, and ties to Ripple, but I have my doubts as far as XRP being involved and, and XRP investors being able to capitalize from 
From the I got to get a response in before you go, Mario. That way you can yeah. rebuttal on your way out. One of the things we're seeing with private ledger development with Ripple is that XRP is the aggregate in between. So let's say every central bank develops their own CBDC on a private blockchain. The only way those CBDCs can interact with each other is through the XRPL. So that would be the rebuttal to the statement. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think you're spot on. There definitely has to be um, there definitely has to be a connection between all those different blockchains. It's just that there's a part of me that wonders how much they will actually allow the public to be involved. And obviously, we are everybody's allowed to be involved. A little bit limited in the U.S. because of the lawsuit, but everybody is allowed to be involved with the XRP uh, by investing in XRP and buying XRP. So I have a hard time, like, just. I hope that it's true and I'm betting on that. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, uh, it's kind of like a too good to be true kind of scenario. So if that makes sense for, for people to be able to be involved. So I'm sure there's other ways in which they can connect. Now, we know that XRP, on the other hand, though, does solve the liquidity part of, of the problem, right? So maybe we, we, we could still see XRP be the liquidity for those connections of all the different um, uh, blockchains or private blockchains. Well, that's the hope, right? At the end of the day, I agree with you 100%, Mario. I've always had exactly the same concern as will they let, you know, the public be part of this thing or, you know, how's it going to work? So the real benefit to all this stuff that I see is more so right now in Ripple, the company, than XRP, the token, right? The, 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 I mean, let me rephrase. There's a, there's the, the, you know, if they're leveraging Ripple's technology, then Ripple, the company benefits. If they end up then using the XRP on any tools that they've created, these central bank tools that they're using, then, of course, XRP could benefit. So the best way to put yourself in a position to be able to win, because we don't know how this thing is going to play out, is to try to own both Ripple, the company, and you can do that through the link to ITO if you're an accredited investor, or and then also pack your bags with some XRP if it ends up being the, the engine of liquidity that we keep talking about that we know the ODL was designed for. You just don't know, folks. We don't know. We all want to believe. But the, the best thing to protect yourself is try to do both if you can, in my opinion. Again, not financial advice, not financial advice. And here's the other thing too, Johnny. We've heard uh, Brad Garlinghouse say before, we are operating as though if we have lost already. Yep. So what does that mean? Them losing means XRP being called a security. So what does yeah. that mean going forward, right? Does XRP still exist? Yes, because out, outside of the United States, it's not considered a security. But what does that mean for a U.S.-based company, right, which is Ripple, unless they really decide to move out of the United States? So what I mean is they're operating as if they've lost. That's something Brad Garlinghouse has already said before. So yeah. they're they're obviously branching out in different directions that don't involve XRP just in case, right? Yeah, but I think what that really means, um, Mario, is that He's, he's playing and setting up and working with partnerships and companies and countries and countries outside of the U.S. to be able to get, you know, plant the seeds for this technology to work, which in my mind means you could theoretically use XRP on the ODL throughout the rest of the countries. But then when you are communicating, let's say, with a, a central bank, U.S. central bank partner, maybe you would use a different liquidity source, right? So I, I, I don't know. Again, there's so many different variables what could happen here. It's pure speculation at this point, but I, that's kind of what I think of when he says that. But you know, I could be wrong, and you could be spot on. He's oh, thinking, I hope hey. I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I hope you wrong. are. I, hope I think the whole world hopes you are. But I actually, you know, had the same concern you have, and that's why, again, guys, you have to diversify in this space. That's just the bottom line: is you want to make sure you have multiple horses in this race because we don't know 
We just don't know what's going to win. We all want to believe, and a lot of people believe XRP is going to be the winner, Abs. But the reality is, if I were to sit here and tell you it was or you were, we'd be lying to the community. We just don't know. And that's why diversification is really the best way to play this space. And yeah, Mark, I, have to, I have to go, guys. I just wanted to say thank you, bro. You, thank you to everybody in the chat. Love you, Abs. Love you, Johnny. Love everybody in the chat. Have an amazing day, everyone. Thank Love you so you, much, Mario. Always appreciate you jumping on the show. And guys, we got over 400 live listeners joining us on YouTube. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny Crypto, I want to read this quick tweet and get a rebuttal from you because this is what I was trying to say earlier. Ripple uses XRP, not just sells it to retail in order to raise capital. If their clients had no use case for the currency, they wouldn't buy it in the first place. So when we see central banks like the Central Bank of Colombia partnering with Ripple to leverage XRP, this is why. This is why it's not a security. And this is why we're going to win the lawsuit. But there is a very important clip circulating on Twitter this morning. And it has to do with one of the most powerful CEOs in the crypto sphere stating he believes the SEC is going to win this case. So guys, check out this latest video and then we're going back to Johnny. Explain a little bit what the Ripple decision is and what the potential implications could be in terms of setting a precedent for the crypto industry. So I believe that the allegations against Ripple is that XRP was sold as an unregistered security, <clears throat> as an unregistered security, uh, as it basically did not go through the proper registration process in order to be able to offer the actual security, meaning XRP to the public. Um, the way it works is if you're generally offering a security to the public, it has to go through a registration. Or Let me just pause this really quick. And I'm so sorry, because I know our listeners want to hear this video. What he just said right there is so telling about what he believes this market should be regulated like. He said that Ripple should have gone in and registered with the SEC in order to sell XRP. They tried to do exactly that. And the SEC used stall tactics for up to four years before bringing a lawsuit. So I just want to throw that in there. We're going to play the rest of this. Here we go. Maybe a Reg Reg A plus exemption, and neither one were taken there. So um, the argument is that it was an unregistered security and therefore in violation of the law. Uh, in that context, the industry has considered on different elements the implications of whether XRP is determined a security for other cryptocurrencies uh, as uh, what would then be the implications and the knock-on effect from there. Now, what we've seen so far with the library case with an LBC token, which I believe is a New Hampshire district court, uh, that laid out a decision that basically said the LBC token was a security, and it followed a very similar fact pattern to what I would say is the Ripple XRP relationship. So I think that the industry uh, is pretty much aware that the writing is uh, most likely on the wall in the sense that uh, there's a very uh, high chance that XRP will be declared a security, and we'll see how it plays out from there. Uh, if that pause, we're pausing it here for some comments, Johnny. He just said he believes that XRP will be considered a security. And I love what Greenwood Holding Company said here. He said, this guy gives me Joseph Lubin vibes. I couldn't agree more. But Johnny, let's have an open discussion here. Why on God's green earth would this man think that the SEC is going to win the Ripple case? Well, he just told you why, right? He's basically tying the library case to the Ripple case. And, and he's just making that assumption because that's typically how the courts work. However, when we talked about this six months ago, so I forgot some of the details now, we looked at the library case and the Ripple case, and we we saw the facts were different, which means the ruling from the library case can't just automatically be applied to the Ripple case. Now, I forgot what some of those details were, so I'm not going to come here and try to say. Remember, Here's one detail, Johnny. There were, there were a different order of court. It's not, it's not even well, a that, That's one thing, but no. What's something about so, – so in other words, Ripple had already had the technology developed. Library was raising money to develop the technology, so there was a difference there. And there were a couple other differences. So right off the bat, they don't apply. Secondly, you have a whole nother 
And I don't know when that video was made when they filmed that interview. But since the Hedman emails were okay, so so that's interesting then because the Hedman emails have been released, and we now know that if they're giving ETH a pass, well, then the question is now you're going to go back as an attorney and you're going to go look at the facts of the ETH situation. You're going to look and say, well, how did they do it? And did Ripple follow along that path? Because again, if ETH is not considered a security, well, then you know if if Ripple did those same things. Again, there's another whole argument. So now that guy is kind of, I, you know, I don't know him. I don't know anything about him, his background, what his, you know, his agenda is. So you can't, you just can't go by just because somebody at Prometheus, whatever is the CEO is, that that means nothing. I think to me, listen, here's the good news. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. None of us know what's going to happen. Uh, and we can all say what the hell we think is going to happen. I've already told you what I think is I do believe that when they first launched back in 2013, you could make the argument, most people with common sense would, to say, hey, this might have been offered as a security. I don't think there's a lot of argument there. It's the way they did it and they raised money. However, the way we're operating today, right, which is secondary sales, those are not securities. And now that we have the definition of adequately decentralized, well, 50% of it's decentralized. So, you know, between that definition, which I don't even know what it means, and the fact that the secondary sales are not being uh, offered as, you know, I don't think the SEC can win this case because you have to remember something. The SEC is suing them on both the prior sales and all future sales are considered a security. That's going to be a very, very tough case to win. I don't agree with that guy whatsoever. I think they're going to split the baby. This is why it was so important, though. The Prometheus CEO making these statements, the relationship that he has with the SEC is tighter than any other exchange on the planet. While the SEC is currently suing Coinbase, Gemini, and Binance for offering unregistered securities, the Prometheum exchange skated through the registration process without any resistance whatsoever. Prometheum is the only SEC and FINRA-regulated full-service market ecosystem for blockchain services. So that's why his that's why his statements are so important. He has a very close relationship with the SEC. Some may even say corrupt. So any statements yeah. there? No, that's a good point, Abs. Thanks for, for sharing that connection. That makes more sense of why people actually are putting more weight on his his um, his thoughts now. And I can understand that. And that does make sense. He probably does know somebody, probably has some inside information or connections. But that's to the SEC. That doesn't mean he's sitting there having lunch or dinner with Judge Torres and what she's taking. And that's the only answer. That's the only thing that really matters. And and obviously, he's got a good connection with SEC. They're buddy-buddy. So, yeah, why is he going to come out and say his buddies are going to lose? I mean, there you go. I mean, come on. So, no, for me, agree, Johnny. Completely agree. I'm going to play the remainder of this and kick it right back to you. Here's about one minute of how the SEC is going to win this case. The wall, in the sense that uh, there's a very uh, high chance that XRP will be declared a security, and we'll see how it plays out from there. Uh, if that is declared, I think some people would argue that that's the precedent that a lot of these other tokens, you know, these uh, uh, smart contract based network tokens. So everything basically besides for Bitcoin is a security uh, and therefore it has a, a significant ripple effect if I want to be poetic. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that, that makes sense. And, uh, but we've heard so much optimism from some industry players saying, oh, you know, it's uh, things are looking good uh, based on this decision, that decision based on this opinion. Uh, we're expecting the we're expecting the judge to come down on the side of ripple. You don't, you don't think that's likely to happen. No, I also think that often uh, the individuals who 
are positing those thoughts have vested interests in Ripple being declared or XRP being declared a non-secure. Or their own their own tokens being declared not securities by extension. All right. So I mean, those were some very powerful statements. And we just got a powerful update in the live chat. As Greenwood Holdings Company said that blockchain assistant today sent an FOIA request to the SEC seeking documents related to its dealings with Prometheum. So this CEO is going to be under investigation. Good thing he took the SEC side in this interview. Johnny, any closing statements before we move on? Yeah, listen, at the end of the day, he is right about that. There's certainly going to be people who hold XRP and are going to want to say good things about it and 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 going to say, yeah, it's going to win. Listen, the reality is we've been saying on the show, we don't know where this ruling is going to go. We're just looking at the facts of this case, Abs. We're looking at everything that's been coming out. And we're just, we're all putting our own opinion on what we think is going to happen. And frankly, I'm not an attorney. I have no clue. Don't listen to what I say. Don't listen to what, you know, the reality is we've had, that's why we've had John Deaton on the show. We've had Jeremy Hogan on the show. We've talked to attorneys who understand this space and the law better than we do. And they've come out and they've said, when you look at the Howie test and the four elements, Ripple doesn't, they don't meet all four of them. So it's, you know, so the security, it really does hold us to security. So we're going to have to see what the judge thinks at the end of the day, where this ruling is going to go. But we've brought experts on the show and we know that they've told us this is going to be a very hard case for the SEC to win based on the approach they took. So either your boy Prometheus there knows something we don't know. Or I'm just kidding. I know. Not my boy. Not my boy. <laughs> or or uh, somebody said, don't trust a man with sideboards in the chat. <laughs> I love our chat. We got the best chat ever. Johnny, uh, I want to get your thoughts on this too. And then we're going to move on from the Hinman emails. The number one revelation within these documents is circulating on Twitter this morning. From Exhibit 220 within the Hinman emails, there's reasonable grounds for determining XRP does not satisfy each prong of the Howey test. And thus, there are reasonable grounds for concluding that XRP should not be considered an investment contract or a security. Now, what's really, really powerful about these statements is what uh, Blockchain Backer told us yesterday. These could easily be from somebody that Ripple paid, right? These could easily be from an advisor that Ripple paid to go and give uh, information to the SEC. So I just want to get some thoughts here and then we'll move on. Well, I thing to do is we have to apply somebody said it in the chat we have to apply the rat snake weasel test to all these things that's what we really should be doing forget the hitman test the howie test we're gonna create the rat snake weasel test here on good morning crypto put it through and see how, how you know wh where people really stand with this thing and you know again we do know that this could be an article that was was paid for by ripple so we don't want to put too much weight into that if it's not you know something from the sec so i don't want to and I don't know the facts. So I'm not going to sit here and comment and say how much weight this could have abs because we don't know that. The, the best thing I can tell you is this is the kind of stuff that's going to happen now. You're going to see stuff popping up all the time. Um, and so be diligent when you're reading this stuff out there, guys, when you're researching this stuff. Check the sources. See who it's coming from. You know, is it a fake document? It happens all the time. You're going to see a lot more of this to throw you off and to try to you know, sway opinion, public opinion on this thing. So be very, very diligent, you know, and that's why we got our man abs here doing all our research, making sure that we're super diligent on this stuff. Johnny crypto. I got to get one quick question in here. The live chat's asking, and I know you have an answer who and what gives the Howie test relevance just 30 seconds for anyone who doesn't understand. Yeah. So, uh, you know, back in 1946, there was a, this whole uh, court case that came up that was trying to determine 
what is considered the security, what is, and I know, uh, you know, it was Howie versus the government or something like that. That's why they called it the Howie test because of the name of the court case. And I think it had something to do with or sale of oranges or things like that. But nonetheless, they established during this test four legs. And uh, do you have the four legs? I know Jeremy Hogan had the tweet there. There is four prongs to the Howie There's test. four prongs to that test, Abs. And if you satisfy me all four of them, you have to have an investment contract. You have to uh, sell with the promise of, you know, you're selling something with the promise that it could go up in price. And I forgot the other two. But if you meet those four, then you are considered a security. And that then became law. So since 1946, anything that's hit the stock market or been sold always has been, they've used this Howey test from this court case to determine whether or not things meet those four prongs. So that's why right now, because they don't know kind of where cryptocurrency fits in, they're just saying, hey, let's apply the Howey test like we do to everything else. Abs, and that's why it's relevant. And what we're trying to say is no, let's, or I think what the crypto industry is trying to say, Abs, is no, 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 let's not use a test. Think about how silly this is, Abs. Let's not use a test that was made in 1946 to determine whether or not Orange is sold as a security or not for a technology that was developed in 1988. We saw the first patent in 1980 for cryptocurrency. So we're going to use some ruling that came 40 years before the technology was developed to determine if the technology is security. No, it just makes no sense. You have to say, you got to, you know what, Abs? You got to use common sense. You got to say, hey, guys, at some point, someone needs to say, this was created in 1946, this ruling. We have a new technology that was created in 1988. Can we come up with new rules around what this how this new technology should be considered and apply that because you know the facts change and that's right? where the hinman test comes in johnny crypto but what we do need is we need, a, we need a group of people who are not just working for the ethereum alliance coming in and creating these rules. exactly guys we, we got 430 who aren't working for the ethereum lines and we're paid 15 million dollars abs yeah yeah I mean, and we got 433 listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest update out of Africa because as the world is going digital, they are also moving away from the U.S. dollar. From Djibouti, selling to Kenya or traders from Kenya selling to Djibouti have to look for US dollars. How is US dollars part of the trade between Djibouti and Kenya? Why? <laughs> and we are saying that today, Afri Exim Bank have given us a mechanism where traders in our continent can trade in their goods and services and the Africa Exim Bank will settle payments in local currency. Johnny, I think that's a great place to get a response from you because what we're seeing right now is two things. When Saddam tried to move away from the U.S. dollar in the early 2000s and go back to the gold standard, he was labeled as a dictator. He was labeled as the T word. I don't want to say it because I don't want to get this video flagged. But what we are seeing right now is a global consensus that everyone should move away from the dollar. We're seeing it in the Middle East. I got family there. We're seeing it in South America. We got Brazil, Chile, Venezuela, all moving away from the U.S. dollar. 
Well, here we have African nations officially announcing they're going to be de-dollarizing. And they even highlight the fact, why is the U.S. dollar even involved in our trade market? It's scary that these questions are being asked as an American citizen. What does it mean to you, my friend? I mean, it means the beginning of the end of the world reserve currency for the dollar. We've been saying it for a while. It means the 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 world will now soon use a different currency. It'll be a different leader running the world in the future. Um, and you know that's a very scary thing. You better be careful what you wish for. All the world, the rest of the world is so happy right now. Hey, we're moving away from the dollar. We're going to use all these other currencies. And and the the one that seems to be prominent is the yuan. Well, remember that's China. China's communist. You want a communist country running the world? Well, let's see what happens. Let's see how everybody feels. They they hate America, but you know what? When when communism is going to be the main currency being traded amongst people, I want to see how people are going to feel then. It's a very, very scary, interesting times we're going through. I don't know what the true impact is going to be on the world. I know what the impact will be on the U.S. citizens. It'll be bad. It's going to be a devaluation of the currency. It's going to be a change in our lifestyles. Uh, inflation going through the roof. It's going to be a very, very uh, different and ugly place to be here. And while those other countries are rejoicing now, you know, when, when you're under the control of, you know, if it turns out that the central reserve currency becomes either a basket of currencies or the one being the leading one, that's going to be a very, very interesting place to be. I'm not so sure people should be clapping right now, but they are nonetheless. We'll see what it means in the long run. And Johnny, I do want to get another statement from you. We're seeing everybody move away from the U.S. dollar. And if you remember back in the early, you know, I believe it was the 1980s, they've been talking about this forever. So to see us, to see this coming to fruition right now in the early 2020s, it gets me a little bit alarmed about where we could be in five, six, 10 years from now, not only with central bank digital currencies, but with a different global superpower leading the world. And this is some alarming information for our listeners this morning, as this is Justin from CoinGraph. And I haven't verified this, but I'm sure many of our listeners can. Hacker groups announce a plan to cripple Western financial systems within the next 48 hours. This includes the United States, European markets, the SWIFT system, and the Federal Reserve. Now, I don't know whether to believe this. I saw an anonymous video. It didn't look like one of their regular videos, but let's have a conversation about it. Cyber attacks have been the topic of conversation for Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum for years now. Could we finally see an attack, Johnny? Are you anticipating this? And if so, what are you going to be doing? Well, those are great questions, Abs. I mean, you know, we know that the WEF has been preparing for a cyber attack. They've been telling us it's coming. Uh, we know that things get attacked all the time. We've saw, you know, Atomic Wallet just got hacked. Again, that's a different story. That was more of a crypto thing just a few weeks ago. So the hacking is very real. It's very much out there. And uh, you, you can't take any of these things for light. Now, typically, I don't think these groups typically warn you when they're going to hack you until after it's done. However, we do know that the WEF is preparing or has been telling us that this is coming. So it will not surprise me if it does happen. And the very scary thing is, what do you do to protect yourself? What does this mean? How will the banks be targeted? Will they lose their databases? Will they be able to restore them? Will they know you have money in your bank? Are you going to lose your money permanently? Very, very scary things, Abs. Very, very hard to say. Which and Johnny, you know what it reminds me of is the Candace Owens video we showed a couple of weeks ago. Because in 2019, the World Economic Forum ran a global pandemic simulation just a couple of months before the C-19 pandemic. Well, what do we have here? They ran a similar situation a couple of months ago where they simulated a global cyber attack. Now we have the warnings coming out. So just close us out here. No, you're absolutely right. That's what they do. We've seen they run these simulations. And then lo and behold, a few months later, or years later, it happens. 
So I am, I am actually, I would not be surprised if it happened. Now you asked the most important question. What do you do about it? That's a very tricky thing. I mean, to me, think about it. If your money's in the bank and they're going to hack the bank, what's the best thing to do? I can't tell you what to do. I'm not financial advisor, not financial advisor, but maybe take some money out of the bank, buy some gold, buy some silver, have some cash around. To me, those seem like the more logical things to do right now during this phase of it as this is happening. And then from there, you decide later, you know, what, what you, you know, what you think, you know, if it doesn't happen. But, you know, fair day bag, that ain't going to help hack. <laughs> uh, that's more for a, a, an EMP kind of a thing. But, um, you know, so I don't know how this hack is going to happen, Abs. We really don't know. But it, and it also, here's another thing to think about, Abs. How long will it last? Like a short hack is sustainable. People get a couple days, one or two days of blackout. Nobody's even going to blink of an eye. Nobody will care. But if a hack goes on and like, let's say your bank is out, Abs, for three weeks. Abs, imagine if you couldn't access your bank account for three weeks right now. How would that impact your life? I'm curious. I'm asking. Well, it makes me even more concerned, Johnny. Obviously, I live down here, and my family's located in another location. The only reason that's possible is because I have a cell phone, because I have access to the internet. I had a conversation with my mom yesterday where we were describing how none of my lifestyle would be possible if all this stuff goes down, because mo my job is the internet. My yeah. phone, my phone's the main way I communicate. I buy my food from a grocery store. So it's very interesting. I am definitely still considered a sheeple, guys. But we got 434 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to make this a more positive conversation because we're going to end this episode describing how Ripple is set to win this case. And now we're going to hear from the founder of HODL Law. This is a lawyer talking about the Ripple versus SEC case. Up until yesterday when these emails came out, I was putting a complete total Ripple victory at like 10%. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to win on um, XRP is not a security. I think there's going to be the judge is going to address XRP secondary sales in a way that's not ex everything that the secondary market like XRP holders and users want, but I think it's going to be good enough. I was thinking that she's going to say, listen, there's no. You know what? We've hammered this home, guys. Let's move on to an actually a more important article from this morning. As BlackRock is close to filing a Bitcoin BTF application, and believe it or not, we could see this approved by the end of the year. BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, is close to filing an application for a Bitcoin ETF, according to a familiar, a familiar person with the matter. BlackRock said it will be using Coinbase custody for the ETF and the crypto exchange's spot market data for pricing. BlackRock began working with Coinbase to make a crypto directly available to institutions midway through this year. So what are we seeing in the midst of a bear market? institutions are coming in. And we showed you an article earlier this week of JP Morgan stating that regardless of what the SEC does, banks are moving into crypto. We could have an ETF hitting the market, Johnny. What do you think the impact would be? Well, let's say we've only had 14 other ones get denied or something like that in the past. But I don't know what would be interesting to look into is if any of those were the BlackRock application. I don't know if they were. I know Grayscale tried. And I know they're kind of tied into BlackRock, but I don't know if BlackRock themselves have it. But it will be shocking to me if BlackRock gets denied by the SEC. I don't see that. I'm going to tell you right now on this show. I don't. I would not. I'll be the first one to say I didn't see that coming if they get denied. I will be shocked. To me, most likely BlackRock would get. If I had to put my money on who's going to get approval for an ETF, BTC, a BTC ETF, I would certainly say BlackRock. So I think right now, Abs, 
Uh, this Johnny, is but what about the Coinbase partnership? Are you kidding me? The SEC is suing Coinbase for selling unregistered securities while the largest asset manager on the planet is using them to leverage those quote unquote unregistered securities. This is true, right? This is called the WWE though, Abs. Remember, we're playing in WWE, right? Oh, there's my girl Angelina. There she is out there. You got she a WWE superstar in the building. Nobody knows better how the world works than the, the, the WWE wrestlers, right? And Angelina is one of them. Love you, Angelina. Thank you for showing up today. Um, and so they know the storylines. And so it's a storyline, Abs. And so we all, Coinbase is the bad guy, BlackRock's the good guy. That kind of a thing. So I do truly think, though, at some point we will see a BTC ETF. And I would think if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be BlackRock. Oh, there's my chart. Let's talk about the liquidity market, Johnny, because we broke it down yesterday, how in order for us to get a bull run in 2024 and 2025, we're going to need new liquidity to come into this market. And that's why I think this BlackRock ETF is so important. If we're going to see Bitcoin get above 70,000, above 80,000, maybe even get above 100K, we're going to need JP Morgan and BlackRock to be in this market. So for me, it's a very bullish sign. And what's even more bullish, guys, is that while the SEC is going after Coinbase, Coinbase is partnering with the most powerful companies on the planet. And everyone already knows Coinbase partnered with BlackRock to create USDC. So again, for all the world's a stage. Johnny, any closing statements? Yeah, no. I mean, I think from the perspective of <clears throat> where we're heading with the space, you nailed it right on, Abs. Liquidity. And I talked about this yesterday with the bearable bull. To me, this is still the biggest question for me is, will we see another bull run as big as the last three? And when I went back and you look at that liquidity chart, you see that the, the, the globe was injecting liquidity each time during those bull runs. This next one, we're not in a printing phase no more. Interest rates were never at. That's right. Thank you, Chaz. Appreciate you. Love you guys. You know, interest rates are ha haven't been this high since Bitcoin's been created. Bitcoin is going through something new. Bitcoin has never seen 8% interest rates or 7%, wherever the hell we're at, right? Somewhere up there for mortgage rate. It's very high right now. So this is a new, hey, we got a new test, Abs. We're going to have the uh, the Fed test or the, the high interest rate test. We're going to have to see how it works. But I like what you said. There was something that's important there that I think is important. If we can get some regulation, some clarity, or a BTC ETF passed, Abs, and that's blessed by the SEC, then yeah, now you just opened up a potential for new liquidity to come into the space. Not necessarily global liquidity because the printing presses are turned on, but new liquidity, meaning you've got all this money sitting in these funds, right? This institutional money that Kevin O'Leary talks about, that they all said they would love to put one, two, three basis points into it. That could be the injection of liquidity we need to funnel, or I should say fuel, the next bull run that's hopefully going to come next year. So, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that's another way to think about it is we don't necessarily, I was always worried about we're not going to get the global liquidity. We're not going to get the printing presses turned on. I don't believe we will see the printing presses turned on a year from now because they were just turned off and we're too high. But what I do can believe or can get behind is what you said is if we can get something passed or regulation passed where money can flood into it, that is what we need. So those now, we got two different catalysts we need. We'll have to keep our eye on the ball and see how that plays out, Abs. That's going to be very, very telling. Let's keep an eye and see if this BTF gets uh, BTC ETF gets approved before the next bull run. That will be super bullish, in my opinion, Abs. Super bullish. A little bit of positive news for our listeners. And guys, this is even more positive news. As Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong confirmed something very interesting earlier this week, 
He said Coinbase has a license to sell securities, but the SEC will not let them activate it. It's just another layer of the confusion here, but here we go. Generally, when we hear updated information from regulators, we go in and we talk to them. We say, great, if, if the rules have changed, how can we adjust? And you know, an example of that was they said XRP, we think might be a security. We said, okay, we want to act in good faith. We'll delist it. We don't know if it's a security or not. And that court case is still playing out, but you know, we want to be collaborative and, and work with regulators. And then something shifted about a year ago, um, a totally different tone started to happen. And we kind of got this information from the SEC that, well, actually, we think everything other than Bitcoin is a security. And we kind of said to ourselves, well, that's not our, our understanding of the law. You know, how are you coming to this conclusion? Generally, when we hear work with regulators. That's the problem, Johnny. They didn't ask that question when they delisted XRP, right? He said, oh, this doesn't apply to the law, but they said they de delisted XRP in good faith. What are I we talking about here? I told you why. I told you why. You want me to say it again? I got to say it a third day in a row? All right, I'll say it again. The reason why they delisted it then, in my opinion, is they were trying to launch their company for an IPO, which basically means they're going to make a shit ton of money, okay, because they're going to launch their company public. The last thing they wanted was to do anything that would give the SEC a reason to stop them from launching public and putting a bunch of money in their bank. Why would anybody logically do that? You wouldn't. So they basically played the good boy and they said, oh, okay, you're telling us it's bad. Fine, we'll delist it. I bet you if they had said these 12 securities back then were, I'm sorry, if they said these 13 cryptocurrencies today were securities back then in 2000, December 2020, whenever it was, they would have delisted all 13 back then because they didn't want to interfere with their IPO. But this is a different situation now. So that's my opinion. Again, I could be 100% wrong, but you asked me why. And if I had to guess, that's the most logical sense of why they would have done that. So with that being said, what's the reason for them not relisting XRP? Is that just because they don't want to put themselves in the fire? Or is there something we're waiting to fully understand? Why would you, you've waited two and a half years for the case to come to an end. Why would you now list something that the, the ruling is around the corner. You're going to do all this work to list it. And let's just say it comes out as a security. Now you got to unlist it again. That's ridiculous. Why would you put your customers through that? No, I wouldn't do that. If I were running an exchange and I've already waited two and a half years and we know that we're getting close to an end of a ruling at this point, you just wait. You don't, you don't, you don't, I know everybody keeps at it. Why won't they, why won't they add it? The reason why they don't want to add it is because there's a lot of things in the background. They have to bring liquidity back in. There's a lot of things they have to do. And that's fine for once. Thanks. Yeah, bro. You know, there's a lot of things they have to do to make it happen. And so you're not going to do that and then find out two weeks later, oh shit, it went the other way. And now we got to undo everything we did. It makes no sense at this point. At this point, you've made the decision to delist it. Now you wait and you see what the outcome is. And I think that's what they're doing, Abs. And with headlines like this, Johnny Crypto, we know exactly why JP Morgan is turning bullish on Ethereum. With all the him and emails being released, re, uh, released, another key detail is that JP Morgan's been involved in these conversations for nearly a decade. And this is finally coming to fruition. We got 407 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And look at these latest statements out of JP Morgan. JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon said the SEC's crackdown on crypto only adds urgency for U.S. lawmakers to produce a regulatory framework. Without a more solid legal framework, cryptocurrency activity will probably continue moving outside the U.S. and into decentralized entities. It's exactly what we're seeing right now. We only got a couple minutes, so I don't want to go through the whole thing. But Johnny, Ethereum, JP Morgan, same team. 
this is probably the most bullish news that anybody could hope for. Because I know, you know, nobody likes them, right? Okay, but here's the reality. The reality is what J.P. Morgan says, a lot of things happen. And the reality is we on this show have been calling for regulatory framework for how long, Jabs? How long have we been saying that this is needed? Since when the did, first day we started. When did we start this show? A year and a half ago? About a year and a half ago, we've been saying we need it, right? And what have we heard J.P. Morgan say, Abs? Pretty much up until now, we've heard J.P. Morgan say it's a scam, it's bad, we don't need it, da 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 right? Now, you're seeing a shift in their tone. And they are the ones actually calling for it. And because they're calling for it, something tells me we're going to get it sooner rather than later. I am super happy to see that. To me, that is a very, very bullish thing for crypto because when regulatory comes, all of this whole operation choke point in this war on crypto that I like to call it will finally come to an end and we'll actually get to see what the real crypto market can do. When the monkey comes off its back, you know, what the true price discovery is, where, where do these technologies live? What do these cryptocurrencies really value at? We're going to get to see all of that come to fruition, Abs, if we can just get this regular regulatory clarity. And this is a great article to close out the show with, Johnny. Bank of America has been tied to Ethereum, Ripple, and Algorand. And up until these Hinman emails were released, everybody was wondering why banks were so comfortable building on Ethereum. We got the answer yesterday. They thought they had SEC approval, and they thought Ethereum was going to be given the green light. Well, one of the Reddit users in this article commented and said, I wonder why they are only building on top of Ripple and Ethereum while ignoring the rest. The big news is that Ripple and now Algorand really established a relationship with Bank of America. So Algorand's another one taking a hit. But here's what we do know. If Ripple is a coin with regulatory clarity around it, companies like Bank of America and JP Morgan are going to have no excuse not to leverage this tech. And that's what I'd like to close the article out on. What do you think? After a ruling, will we see American adoption from companies like Bank of America? Oh, I certainly think you'll definitely see Brad will bring it back to the U.S., I would imagine. He's already planted the seeds around the rest of the world. All he needs is the money. You know, he you know, he talked about it. You know, he tried to go talk to companies and they didn't want to talk to him. Like, oh, no, you got the SEC on you. We don't want we don't want to go near that. Right. You, you know, but now the fact thank you, Mr. Duck. Uh, but now that we've got um, the, when this case is off their back. Oh, yeah, they're going to go hard into the U.S. Abs, no question about it. I think it's going to be great for, for our Ripple, the company, and XRP, the technology, that it will finally be able to at least think about it right now. They haven't had a chance to play fairly in this game. Everybody else gets to go roaming freely, and they've had handcuffs on. Okay, Soon the handcuffs come off. Then you're going to see what their real potential is. So I'm kind of excited about that, Abs, because it, it will be nice to be able to see what they really have in the tank and how far the price can really go when it doesn't have this huge monkey on its back. And with 30 seconds left, let's talk about the price real quick. One of our listeners commented and said in 2025, XRP is going to be 50 cents while Ethereum is sitting between 15 to 20K. And guys, history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. And when XRP moves, it goes much higher than people imagine. But it also happens on the back end. These bear markets for XRP do last very long. And 58 cents is a key range. If we can break 58, get above 70 cents, We've got almost no resistance up to a dollar. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and pretty much guarantee that if this case is over by 2025, XRP will not be sitting at 50 cents. Do you agree, Johnny, before I close it out here? Well, I'll certainly say this. If ETH is sitting at 50, there ain't no way. There ain't no way. Unless this lawsuit's still going on, I don't see XRP sitting at 58 cents. We had the GOAT on the show yesterday, one of the better technical analysis in the game. And even he thought 
know, a $10 price target is probably more realistic at a 4.26 extension. I think that's very possible. Guys, comment in the live chat. A one if you think we're above 50 cents. A two if you think we're below in 2025. And we got 408 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Next week, Mark Yusko and Eleanor Tourette on Wednesday. Very exciting. And we'll see you guys in 23 hours. Like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's go.